Hello, and welcome to the Weekly Vine Down. Really excited about this show, Vinay. You excited? I'm overjoyed. You know, your energy is all wrong in this. I need like like the waving and yelling because, you know, Vinay, you and I haven't talked a lot in the last couple of weeks, and I think you've been traveling, and I really was excited to see you in the Vine Down today. I feel like this is exactly the level of energy that I always bring to pretty much everything I do. So yes, that is accurate. Um, and this is the same level of energy that I bring to the things I do, which is terrifying for most people. In fact, my best friend gave me a mug once that said, you are not perky, you are obnoxious. And then the other side says, your enthusiasm is scaring everyone. And I felt very seen and loved in that moment. I can't say it was the world's most inaccurate gift. No, felt from- very, yes, I felt very, very, very accurate. Um, great. Well, let's get started. We have a new graphic that we're unveiling today in the Vine Down. Me with very long forearms and Vinay, clearly you, gesturing to me across some collegial coffee. So here we are. I don't even know how to recreate that on, on Zoom. Like, is this? this like a side profile or like? Uh, when I'm doing like the Instagram, like coffee cozy with oh, my yeah, you, you, very you the, long forearms. I yeah. don't know. It's nice to be, um, it's nice to be uh, animated or not animated, illustrated. I don't know what this is. I've never had a self-portrait that's not a photo. So it feels great. Great. Well, today we're talking about uh, results from a June survey we did with 18,000 students talking about their enrollment decisions. And I'm joined today by Vinay Bhaskara, co-founder and um, guru of data and our data practice here at College Vine. Hello, Vinay. Uh, I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to jump into to what we're what we're about to talk to. First, I want to explain College Vine, who we are. I realize that um, many folks don't know who we are or why we have all this data on students. So just so you know, we are the world's largest connect- network connecting students and colleges. We've got about 2 million students on platform who join us to create full professional profiles, about 75 data points, and connect with colleges. Um, they join us about every other week to work on their profiles, build their college lists, and organize their entire college process. And the way colleges interact with College Vine is that they join, send connection requests to students that are either accepted or dismissed by students. If you have an accepted connection request by a student that runs into your CRM as a really, really deep inquiry, uh, and those inquiries apply at about a 20% rate. Um, so really excited about all of this data we have on students, because one of the things that um, I feel like many of the college partners that we work with, like they know their own students pretty well. Um, but with caveats, like you're only getting a certain amount of data from the students who are enro- uh, enrolling and they're interacting with you as like a college, not like some trusted source who they're going to give uh, a bunch of candid information to. We have a ton of information on students, possibly too candid. Um, but that's what we want to share with you all today. Um, really eager to get into this with you, Vinay, to talk about what the um, what the results say, what we can learn from them, what colleges can learn from. A couple of housekeeping notes as we do TV land here. Um, I don't want anybody in the audience to wait on the Q&A. If you want to get in there, use the Q&A feature of the webinar. We will see it. We'll try to address those questions um, as we are going through the information. What ends up happening inevitably is I do a call for questions near the end of the show, and then we run out of time to deal with everyone's questions. So please get your questions in early 
super happy to see them and view them and answer them. Um, I also have a really important announcement about the Vine Down in general. We are doing an in-person Vine Down um, at NACAC this year. Um, we are doing a Vine Down live with real humans. If you think me on TV is terrifying and too enthusiastic, uh, watch out for wild gesticulations from our NACAC booth because we are doing a Vine Down in person with some incredible guests who I will not reveal today, um, but will in coming weeks. Um, we've got some super exciting, exciting folks that I am huge, a huge fan of um, in our in our Vine Down at NACAC. Uh, great. So Vinay, I'd love for you to share with us this data. I will likely have tons of questions for you uh, along the way, but uh, I think the group will probably likely want to hear first about your methodology, uh, and then we can jump into what we can learn. Yeah, absolutely. So really excited to share some of the results from our spring 2023 enrollment survey today. I uh, ran this across the end of May and early June this year, about a month after the May 1 enrollment deposit deadline at many schools. So we ran a survey um, with 18,562 student users of College Vine, asking them about their enrollment decision. And what we asked them to share was their first, second, and third choice colleges, really the, the schools that they were down to when they were making their final decision. We asked them for each of these colleges to rate the quality of communication that they received from that school after they were accepted. We asked them to rate the overall post-acceptance experience that they had with that school. And then we asked them to share for why they ended up enrolling versus their second choice and their third choice school, their rationale for their decision. Like what were some of the key factors that drove this decision for them? And so I think we have some really interesting early learnings. We're still uh, running through the, the, the numbers here. We've got 18,000, um, you know, responses, 10, 15 pieces of data per student. So it's going to take us a while to, to run through some of this data, but we do have some initial early learnings that I'm really excited to share with um, the, the folks at the Vine Down. So let's go ahead and get right into it. I'm sure you will have many questions and observations. So I'll start with a really interesting finding um, that's not gonna be surprising, but is, is worth just reiterating, which is that the quality of communication that students receive, or at the very least how they perceive the quality of that communication ha has a pretty tangible tie-in to enrollment outcomes, right? So for the schools that, that students actually ended up enrolling at, um, their average rating was an 8.2 out of 10 for, for the quality of the communication that they received. For the second choice, that dipped down to about a 7.4. And then for the third choice, it dipped down to a 6.9, right? So it's not necessarily saying that, you know, the second and third choices were bad, but there was a clear drop-off in how students perceived the, the quality of the communication that they received. Um, and that correlated pretty substantially with enrollment outcomes. I think, you know, I, I ran this analysis across the 1600 or so schools that we're, that we're taking a look at. And I think in all but a couple hundred of them, the perception, you know, maybe like 80 to 90% of them, the perception of communication was higher amongst the students that are enrolled relative to the students that didn't. Do you think that's like positive feedback loop? Like if, if a school is tracking to be your favorite, you're going to view the communication more favorably? Or do you think the communication was objectively better? I think it's a mix of both. And and, mm -hmm. and one of the things that we like to do is we like to, you know, obviously look at the numerical analysis, but we also like to kind of back that up and 
um, think about it from a qualitative perspective as well. And, and when you look at some of these reactions that specifically mentioned communication, I think it's a mix of both. I mean, there's some cases where your rating for anything to do with that school is impacted by the fact that you ended up choosing to go somewhere else. And there's almost like a psychological feedback loop as well. Like, yeah. oh, you know, I want to validate the decision that I made. But in other cases, I think there are tangible things that students are pointing to, right? So, um, you know, I, I, we have a couple of different specific examples here that we're taking a look at. Um, and you'll note that the school names are redacted. Now we do actually have all this data, of course, unredacted on our side. Um, so if you're in the audience, you're, you're from a college or you, you work with colleges that might be interested in some of this data, um, we've got pretty detailed win-loss data, right? Like students who picked you over a couple of other schools and then students who picked other schools over you. We've got all these ratings and these individual um, pieces of feedback. And so if you're, if you're interested in, in Accessing that, um, feel free to shoot Emily an email and uh, she'll get something set up so we can give you guys access to that data. Yeah, we don't publicly want to like throw any colleges under the bus and we're not here to do like a referendum on your communication style. But please, um, we'll chat my email address into the uh, into the chat on the webinar. Um, and uh, if you would like to send me an email, we definitely can go through this with you in more detail about your school. We've got um, lots of uh, lots of combined responses for each school. Um, Vinay, what seems really interesting to me is like we talk about communication, but I've the thing I've been thinking about in recent weeks is the difference between the stuff that's in your comm flow and the communication that you send in your like very fancy view books and your trifold search pieces and all those things that we've been running for years and responsiveness. And like these quotes uh, are starting to support something that I see in communication is that it's not just necessarily the communication that you send out and the good writing and the good creative that you put out, like table stakes, like you got to do that. But the responsiveness actually is the thing that's moving the needle here. Um, because I feel like email, spam, search, like those are really hard to break through on. And the focus appears to be on the responsiveness. Um, so I'm, I'm curious if you agree with that or would push back on me off for that. Well, so I think if it's worth understanding the timing of when students are giving this feedback, right? Because yeah. I, I do absolutely believe that once a student is accepted, you know, your automated comm flows don't really mean much, right? It's, it's really about the layer above and beyond because most students these days are choosing between three or four or five different options mm. um, when they're making their final enrollment decision. So I, I, I do absolutely think that some of the other variables beyond just the like quality of your mass marketing and mass comms um, are, are really important. I think responsiveness is, de is definitely one of them, right? Um, I, we have a couple of quotes here about, you know, get, sending an email and getting a response within 24 hours. You know, being proactive versus reactive, I think, is another piece as well, right? Proactive is a you know a personal reach out that's happening not just in response to something you receive from a student, but you're being proactive, you know, touching base, checking in, um, and then you know you you see the inverse there for 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 another school. I do think that the quality of communication still matters, though, right? If you look at the third quote on the page redacted, um, seem to communicate and have an amazing sense of community in comparison to other schools I got accepted to. Now, to your point, right, in, in a world where each search name is being bought 146 times or wh whatever the number is, and I think it actually might be 146 is the, the last calculation we did. And, you know, every kid is getting the same email mm -hmm. in their inbox. It's hard to 
craft something that stands out at scale, right? Um, in, in, a, in, a, in a mass marketing sort of email piece. But I do think that there is a degree to which um, quality of, of marketing and communication does still matter as well. Yeah, it's like the responsiveness is one element and then an overlay of like this, this quote around community is actually really interesting because I think one of the things that college communication can do well or, or a measure of how you know it's good is, is when you get feedback like this that indicates like, I can imagine myself there. I can imagine myself being happy, healthy, safe there. And you've put that, you've sort of built that uh, community in an authentic and genuine way. Um, and I think one of the things that I have observed not changing um, in marketing for higher education in the last 20 years that I've been in the space is like my first boss out of college told me colleges think they are unique or, uh, and the, the thing that colleges think they are unique about is not actually true. Colleges have a hard time um, knowing their uniqueness and communicating it authentically. And I, I think that's still that still feels true today. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes hard just because, you know, a college is this amalgamation of thousands and thousands of people, each of whom is, you know, in, you know, doing their best to create and and drive unique value in the classroom, um, in the operation and in whatever. And so I think sometimes it's easy to kind of think and look at all of that effort and not understand that every other college kind of has a lot of those same pieces. And oftentimes it's a very small sliver of things that are what kind of truly makes you unique. Now, the other thing I will say is that different students react to and resonate with different aspects of who you are and, and, what you offer as a college, right? Um, we'll get into some more student quotes because I think they're, they're they're pretty useful as well as some aggregated data. But I do think that um, one it under sort of rated aspect is just the diversity of what students resonated with, right? And I think mm-hmm. it actually might be worth jumping into an overview of that, right? Which is we, in addition to kind of looking at some of the, the numbers, we also analyzed all the text, you know, literally 18,000 entries, text entries, uh, actually 36,000, right? Because it was it was across both their, between their first and second choice and between their first and third choice. Um, and what we identified as sort of the top 16 decision factors are, are kind of shown here on the screen. Um, these were about like 55 to 60% of the reasons. So there is definitely a long tail of another 40% that's just like all kinds of randomness. But kind of the biggest ones that were consistently cited, there's some that are not gonna be surprising, you know, closer to home, strength of the major and the program, financial aid, scholarships, costs, that's a big piece of it. The quality of the campus is a really interesting one just because I think there's a narrative that's going around, right? Or starting to percolate around the idea that families have started to really think about their college decision as a pure sort of pragmatic dollars and cents decision, maybe a career progression decision. Um, There's a lot of truth to that. There's definitely a lot of folks who think about their college experience that way. But, you know, the folks here citing like this is a beautiful campus or it was like an urban campus. It was exactly what I wanted. That's still a very non-trivial block. Um, So I thought that was that was a really interesting one. The other that was really interesting is prestige and ranking, just because I think that gets a lot of press and a lot of like we, you know, have to think about this. Our college ranking is good. Our college ranking is bad. And obviously, I think to some extent, students use the college ranking more at the beginning when they're thinking about Mm -hmm. their college list and building their college list. That's right. That's right. But but when it comes to that actual final enrollment decision, once you've crossed that threshold, it's really not as core to how they make their decisions a lot of the time. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah. 
Anything else that you would think that was going to be in a higher spot that isn't? Anything missing here or not big as big as you would have thought? Not really. I mean, I would say that so like some of these like communication to me is like there's a direct layer of communication and then there's like an indirect layer of um of like communication impacts how they feel about a lot of these other variables, right? Like a lot of times you'd hear like financial aid cited and like how they talk to me about financial aid cited and, and how clear mm-hmm. they were. And we we kind of categorize that as financial aid because I think it's it's fairer to say that it's about financial aid, but it's impacted by by marketing and communication. Um, you know, I think internships is an interesting one, right? Like I feel like maybe five, 10 years ago, even three, four years ago, that was like a big buzzword, like internships. How are you helping me get internships? Mm-hmm. Um, there's some cyclicality to that. I think job prospects in general, a lot of times that was wrapped up with major and program, but the specific valence of internships, I think has, seems to have lost some of its punch. I also think um, that's like the time that you're asking too, because if we're asking right after they've made this decision, they're like very closely reflecting on like how I made this decision and the things that matter to me right now. And internships may be not as timely at that moment, right? You're like thinking about the, the very next thing, which is like, oh, I got to buy my books and find my roommate and and like negotiate this summer, figure out how to pay that first bill. Um, and maybe internships isn't the timely thing in this moment. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the other thing that I thought was kind of interesting was, um, you know, that feels like home ended up being so prevalent yeah. is is really interesting like we we ran a lot of different types of text analysis to to, to analyze the, these these 18 um you know thousand response or 36,000 responses and i think we were honestly surprised by how often that specific phrase showed up like a lot of these are a lot of these other ones are like amalgamations of like you know, financial aid and finances and aid right. programs, you know, like right. all that gets bucketed in financial aid. But what feels like home, it was like that specific phrase yeah. was, was thrown out a lot by students. And I think that was really interesting because it's it speaks to something that's a lot more qualitative, a lot more um, ineffable in some ways, but also really, really powerful. Well, and like measurable to your point, like it's a way to gauge whether your communication has been successful if you have created that feeling um, I think is a really good sort of lagging indicator of success in your communication and in your uh, like customer service methodology, the way you train your counselors to do certain behaviors with students and families. I, I think candidly, it is hard to generate feels like home as a sentiment if the if the student hasn't visited and specifically hasn't visited post acceptance. Like candidly, the, for the students that are driven by that factor, I do think being on campus still really, really matters. Um, and it's worth noting that some uh, like a proportion of the students who who mentioned this were you know sort of low income under resourced students who actually weren't able to visit a couple of the campuses that they were choosing between and they ended up going with the one that was closer to home that they they could visit um mm-hmm. so i think that's also an interesting dimension to, to keep in mind as you think about college access yeah of all the things that have changed in the last 3 years in enrollment the campus visit still persists as just like that beacon of uh, indicating enrollment. Um, and that really hasn't changed in so, so many years. Um, but I, I'm curious, Vinay, for all for that item, as well as all of these, like, how do you think some of these sentiments might change given demographic cliff, search cliff, changes to affirmative action? Like, what would you forecast some of these, those elements to shift or some of those dimensions to shift in, in future yeah. cycles? 
For sure. I mean, I, I would imagine that diversity ends up being a bigger factor um, next year when, when, we, when we run the survey back, for sure. I think feels like home, which frankly sometimes speaks to diversity, inclusion, the sense of community that's created on campus. I would expect those two to, to continue to get bigger. Um, I would imagine that that major and program I just I, I see more and more people thinking in that way. Now it's still it's still a subset of, of everyone who's making their call their college decision, but I would imagine that that will tend to evolve a little bit more over time. Mm-hmm. I also think that there's an increasing but still small focus on people who think directly about ROI, right? It was a small number of folks who specifically cited ROI, but I think that that is a growing cater as well. So I might expect to see that on the page where it wasn't before. Um I, I also think that um, it, location is a really interesting one because I think the staying close to home is still the default behavior, but it is certainly less of a default behavior than it was, you know, 15 years ago or, or, or 30 years ago. So I do wonder if that gets a little bit smaller year after year. Yeah. Can you, just so I'm evaluating this for now, I asked you to do like sort of future casting, like what was some of the what were some of the populations or some of the s- spread that we made sure to, to get like or or not to get uh, a diverse group of students who are just so I can look at this now and, and evaluate it? Oh yeah, today. absolutely. So this was um, you know the way that the survey was structured. We had respondents from all fifty states, more or less in proportion with their contribution to national FTIC students. Mm-hmm. Um, we had pretty similar demographics, slight overrepresent on students of, of, of color and on non-white students, just because that's also part and parcel of, of who College Vine is, mm-hmm. but pretty representative in terms of um pretty representative in terms of the uh, nationwide population in terms of demographics. Had about 1,550 colleges represented. So virtually every four-year college had at least one student participate in the in the survey. Um Trying to think of any other demographics that might that might be relevant, but again, a very representative sample, uh, both of the college going platform and of the nationwide college going population. Okay, sure. yeah, that's helpful because if I think about how these preferences change over time or these decision decision factors over time, um, given given affirmative action demographic cliff and changes, search cliff and changes, like I, that's helpful for me to to think about all the different populations. For sure. Great. Awesome. So I think the other thing that's, that's worth thinking about is to what extent does the decision have multiple variables? Because I think for some students, it's a it's this factor or bust. For other students, it's that multivariate question, right? So, you know, a couple of different flavors here, everything from it's close to home, cheap, great school. I know they'll take all of my credits from courses taken at Metro. I think that's refer- referencing a community college, if I, if I remember correctly. Communication, work program, great experience in staff administration bigger campus, more opportunities, fresh start. There's that I felt at home on campus again um, and have heard great things about the redacted College of Business, right? So some like reputation around them. So a lot of times it's not just one single variable. And I I think that does make life harder sometimes for, for our friends over on the enrollment side, just because it's not, you're not quite sure what to optimize on or what to emphasize um, on a student by student basis. In that, like, it's hard to know the multidimensionality of a pool of students and to understand what the sort of objections or decision factors are at the individual level. 
Well, to be fair, it's easy if you use collagen. It's it's hard if you it, it, it it's it's a lot harder if you don't. But yes, broadly speaking, right? Students have multiple variables that play into how they make their college decision. Um, and I think that like some of the responses that we saw, like I, I'd love to sit here and just you know, spend three hours reading through responses because I think it's actually a really really instructive exercise. Um, and I think a lot of enrollment leaders would benefit from kind of just seeing how students think through their decision in aggregate. Um, because by the time you're, you know, a director or a VP, you've worked your way up a long way from, you know, interacting directly with students a bunch. And when a student is interacting with you in your role as a um, representative of the university, they're not oftentimes not as candid as they're going to, they're going to be with us. Um, so, you know, anyway, I, I think that it's, really interesting to kind of note just how many times there's this like multivariable, multivariate factor or, or multiple pieces that go into the decision and just how um, hard it, I, you know, this for, to sort of show some empathy to our friends over on the enrollment side, how hard it is sometimes to figure this out before the student makes their call. Like a lot of times you'll just kind of like, you know, send them a bunch of information and then you'll either get a deposit or you won't. Um, so right and sort of it's like that surprise in the end where like if you can look at things that are more leading indicators to enrollment you get to be in a stronger position so what would you advise uh folks in enrollment to to do re like behaviors like good recruiting behaviors that start to address not necessarily like um how you address each individual preference but like how do you operationalize the discovery of preference to influence enrollment decision, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think there's like a couple of different options, right? So one option is the more you and your prospects are using CollegeVine, the, the more that's just built into your operation, like automatically. Um, so use CollegeVine, obviously. I, I, I'm, I'm biased by definition, but um, I think that like it is, this is truly how we've set up our um, recruiting solution for institutions. Hmm. I think beyond that, right, part of it is is um, understanding that if, if, you, if you're not ready to quite ready to do that yet, another thing you can do is, you know, there are things you can do to that are that consistently come up in student um, feedback that are not tied to like data or anything like that. And that are more just around like, you know, like your core, core best practices that are that are mm. well understood, right? Are you responding promptly when a, when a student emails you? Do you have a good way to identify when it is, you know, when a student is emailing you and does that get routed to your admissions officers effectively? Um, are you uh, sort of being, you know, very, are you being proactive in, in how you reach out to students after they get accepted? Are you giving them exposure to students and professors and to the parts of your campus that they're going to enjoy and they're gonna like? You know, again, there, there's a, a set of best practices, and I think over time, as you know, your scale increases, as your operations get more brittle, it's hard. It's sometimes easy to forget just how important those things are. Right, right. Your your operations can't scale you be out of that essentially. Like you can't scale beyond yeah. that. I get it. And and I think the interesting thing to think about is a lot of times the you know, given some of the staffing and 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 turnover um, and retention challenges that admissions officers are facing. A lot of times it's easy to kind of think linearly and be like, okay, you know, we just lost two admissions officers, so we're going to have to scramble and try and, and, and fill that position, but we need to keep our operation the same and just run the same playbook. I think a lot of times, um, you know, to some extent, 
that those positions might never get filled or your turnover is going to continue to increase Oof. because of some structural changes that are happening in the industry. That means yeah. that you might never, you might never be back at your staffing two years ago or three years ago or four years ago. So it, it might be time to, to take a look in the mirror and say, Hey, what can we do differently to enable us to still do these things that really matter? And how can we restructure our, our, our operation and our strategy to enable that? Harsh, but protective. And I, I feels like reasonable and adaptive. Okay. Bring me into some of the dicey and spicy, my friend. Yeah. So uh, as we were all looking through this internally on the college vine side, you know, it's a lot of responses like they had great financial aid or they had great communication or they didn't communicate with me. But then there are some that are a little bit more out there. Um, I think we've sent, we've, we've not brought in some of the most spicy ones that we could bring, but we, we've Which got is a shame. Interesting... We'll have like vine down bloopers on those. Vine down bloopers. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's a subscription feature, right? For all, all of our partners, we'll share, we'll share the, uh, the funniest, you know, behind the paywall as it were. Right. Um, so I think some of these are just, just kind of interesting, right? I would rather go to a school that is far away for the experience, um, as well as be free from parents trying to control my life. This one, honestly, maybe more, more sad than anything. Um, just that, I mean, like, I'm a parent. I'm controlling as hell. I get it. Yep. 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 <laughs> Um, it had better surf waves and redacted was more low key. And I guess it felt a little less intimidating for a first time college student. Mm -hmm. um, I felt an instinctual connection with my chosen school. Very spiritual. Uh, it's a top five uh, university. Sorry. Stop, I want to stop on that one. The instinctual connection to me is like the same thing of saying like, I felt at home there. That to me is like a follow on of effective relationship building and communication that felt authentic such that this student is experiencing it like, I don't know what it is. I just fit in here. And it's like, well, all the things that ladder up to that are the things that are informing your brain about being part of that community. Like, yeah, it's a weird way of saying it, but I think it's the same thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, that, I think that one, that, that one is, is very illustrative for that reason. It's a top five university with SEC football. There were a lot of students that mentioned sports, but it was oftentimes alongside something else it's very rarely the factor it oftentimes is a factor was, was kind of what we saw um and then my personal favorite one that i read was my girlfriend so mm. um Vinay, do you want to know a fun fact about me uh yes i have never attended a school with a football team ever any kind of school like elementary middle high grad under like an underhouse Never attended a school with a football team. Does Connecticut College not have a football team? Nope. Your ritzy Philly-ish prep school didn't have a football team? Nope. How is that possible? <laughs> I don't know, but if you ever watch a football game with me, you'll see the outcome of like an American who cannot, I cannot, I don't understand it. I don't know what's happening. I have not an Eagles fan, like don't care. I mean, to be fair, I went to the University of Chicago and we at one point were a very prestigious football program um, and then decided to throw that all away. Over? No, no, no. Literally, um, I, <laughs> the president of U Chicago, this is an apocryphal story, but I also think it's really funny. The president of U Chicago that shut down the football program, right? Like U Chicago was part of the Big Ten, like the same conference as Michigan and Ohio State. Um, and you can tell I feel very animated about this. Michigan was a part of the, of the same football per, like, conference as the Big Ten and the, um, you know, M Michigan and Ohio State. The first winner of the Heisman Trophy, which is like the biggest college football trophy, right? Like the best player in college football. Oh, I know about that, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Heisman. <laughs> he went to the University of Chicago, Jay Berwanger. And then name. It's, I promise you it's not. And then um, the president of the of U Chicago that decided to shut down the football program and, and, and completely kill it. They eventually brought it back as like a D3, like, you know, throwaway kind of um, football program. But the president who decided to shut it down was literally once quoted as saying, sometimes I feel the urge to um, engage in athletic activity. When I feel that urge, instead, I go and lie down and clear my head. I'm so sorry for that person who obviously doesn't know the joys of endorphins. That's a very sad statement. Um, well, the, these are great. You're right. There are a lot of edge cases and there's a lot of like, it's sort of a, it's an additional layer to like the, the decision is complicated with and among a number of different uh, factors. There are some common factors and there are some of these edge cases that, you know, if you're a small school, you may get to know. If you're a big school, you may never get to know. Um, so Vinay, let's, let's pull down our screen sharing as we close up here, because I think we've got, um, only a couple of minutes. I'm just going to cruise through these questions. I think we've answered most of our questions. I do have one question because I can see who's in the audience. Cause I'm super sneaky like that. I see that we've got a couple of folks from our agency partners. How do you think agency partners can help colleges interpret this student preference? Yeah. And take action to it. Well, I think sometimes when you are sort of in the thick of the operation, right? Um, it's hard to see the forest for the trees, right? It's hard to think proactively or strategically or, uh, you know, self-scout like, hey, are there challenges that are causing these factors why for why a student um, chose someone else? Now, sometimes like if it's financial aid, that's a hard thing to, to overcome, though to some extent, you know, consultancies and agency partners do help think through financial aid strategy. But sometimes it's things like this part of our operation is broken or how we tell a student about these kinds of things um, is, is broken. So I, I do think that um, because of the, the role that they play where they're simultaneously inside the office and outside the office, yeah, um, they can sometimes sort of see, analyze and, and kind of um, help make and drive adjustments that can help you sort of take advantage of some of this. Yeah, I actually think that's true. I think that um, having been a vendor for a long time, I think there are things that I can see and observe about a school that feel very obvious to me just outside the window, right? Because like I expect my college partners to know their own institutions and their own politics in their own operation and procedures really well. But like that very easily gets like right here and sort of suffocates you from being able to see it. But like because I've been doing this through the windows at like a number of enrollment institutions, it's very easy for me to tease that out. So that's actually something I think that's a superpower of, of colleges leveraging vendor relationships is simply the question like, what do you see and observe about me that I am not seeing and observing myself? I, I really enjoy answering that question and I feel like I can almost always do it crisply in a way that uh, that lands. So leverage your vendor partner like that. Um, as we close up, Vinay, I have one final question for you, but I do want to remind folks um, to please send me an email, grab my email and chat. If you'd like to go over this data for your particular school, we'd be happy to do that um, with less redact redactions. Right. That's a that's the noun uh, yes, redaction. Yes, absolutely. And we can, um, you know, if you want to schedule some time with us, we're, we're happy to, um, you know, share share some of that data with you, share your wins, share your losses. Um, and to, to your point about thinking through the um, thinking through the, the sort of 
how you operationalize this and, and what changes you might want to make. Totally happy to help, to help you think through that as well. Um, Got it. And for and for our agent, the, our agency friends who are, who are on the um, the call, if you want this for any of your um, partner schools or your clients, again, totally happy to to work with you to get that set up. Yeah, good call out. So I want to focus on this one thing that we've been talking about, which is sort of this like underlying, like I felt a sense of home or it felt like home. Um, and that's the thing to operationalize and sort of optimize. How do you think we can use these learnings to impact fall 24? Like, what would you like to see colleges do, particularly to strengthen that very popular sentiment, which is sense of belonging, sense of community feels like home? Like, what do you think those things are that if we have, like, it's the beginning of the cycle, we do have some time. What do you think those behaviors uh, we could add in to influence that very popular decision factor? Yeah, I think there's a couple pieces, right? First is, you know, a sense of home is very, very hard to achieve if they don't have at least one, if not multiple, sort of meaningful acquaintances and or, you know, frankly, relationships, so to speak, um, with your staff, with current students. Now, sometimes you get lucky and like their best friend or a really close friend in an older grade or a family member um, is attending that school. You get that, yeah. you get that for free. But in a lot of cases, you, you kind of do have to do some work to, to manufacture that. Um, and that could be because they trust and respect and value the admissions officer. Um, could be a professor. It could be a current student. Current student is a really great one that I think institutions consistently um, underinvest in. I get why it's hard to operationalize. It's hard to to put out there. But but current students is um, is a is a really big one. I also think um, you know cutting through the clutter to get them to campus after mm. they're admitted. Right. I can I can see why it's it's hard to justify the expense and the and the investment pre. Um, sort of pre-application or, or 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 you know before they're kind of seriously in your in your funnel, but once they've been admitted and once they've sort of started to lean in, you you know everything you can do in your power to um, bring them to campus. And I, I think a lot of times that 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 behavior is reactive as opposed to proactive, right? It's like, hey, we've got an admitted students day or an admitted students weekends come through. But it's not a, hey, we really want to see you here. We think you would really get a lot out of being on campus. It's totally and different And there's a vibe. distinction yeah. between how you position that. I'm not saying do anything different. I'm not saying spend any more money, but how you position things like your admitted students weekends or your alumni mixers or whatever um, can, can make a, a really big difference. So. Yeah, definitely worth a test, right? To test, maybe even do A-B message testing on the positioning of your uh, yield events like seems easy enough to do and measure the results. I think the only proxy for getting admitted students to campus is um, something that HBCUs do really, really well, which is um, the send off parties, right? To have like groups of alumni who welcome uh, upcoming students and families into their home to be like, you are part of this. Um, and I think HBCUs, like, this is just such a superpower of theirs to be like, this is the community, like, look what you can be part of. And that's just a, a moment of, of sort of deep feeling if the if the campus visit can't happen or there's a, a distance or you're recruiting in particularly in, in certain metro areas, like leveraging that alumni network. And I'm not saying that that is easy. Corralling alumni is expensive and time consuming, but um, that is a reasonable proxy for that uh, to create that same sense of belonging. Cool. Well, I know you and I, my friend, could talk about this for hours and days, but we don't have that kind of time. So we'll begin to sign off now. Um, really appreciate everyone's time and attention. Really looking forward to next uh, next few vine downs as well as 
the Vine Down in person at NACAC in our giant booth at NACAC. Um, so really excited about that. Vinay, thank you so much for sharing this data. Folks out in the audience, if you would like this for your schools, please shoot me a note. We'll make it happen. Um, really eager to share this stuff with you uh, because we have access to all of these great students who are willing to be really, really candid with us. Yeah, um, absolutely. And just as a little bit of a teaser for, for the next episode, um, we've got some pretty shocking, but also in-depth data about uh, just how rough performance has gotten for, for search, um, just based on some 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 data we've gotten from directors and, and deans around the country. So, Yeah, super eager to dig into that, though. I, I'm going to have to be careful next week as we talk about search results. Like, I have a history doing student search, and that's how I got my start in this career. Um, I will likely have to just sort of psychologically check the energy that I'm bringing into that, because it will feel uh probably shocking and sad so um maybe yeah. next week is the first find down that I just as long as you don't feel personally attacked because you're no longer in that office doing search so uh maybe i can't make any commitments but you know it's live tv thanks folks uh drink water stay well stay cool and we'll see you next week see you, everyone bye <laughs>